I was thinking this morning, um, well, I've been thinking for a while, actually, what, what if God really blows on this and makes it incredibly fruitful? No, seriously, I was thinking, you know, not just for us, but for all the other spheres, what if God blows on this? The principle of the kingdom is, it's like a grain of mustard seed, so small beginnings, um, something of the life of God in a small beginning, it grows, and eventually branches become so large that even birds of the air can rest in it. Just, there's a principle of the kingdom. God intends... God intends to blow on things that he started to make them fruitful, doesn't he? That's, that, that, that's how the kingdom works. So it didn't take a genius to think, well, okay, if God is in this, he wants it to flourish. He wants Dave Devonish's work to flourish and Guy Miller's and Jeremy Simpkins and Dave Holden's and all the other brothers around the world, Edward in Kenya, Pete Brooks in Australia. What if God really blows on this in this multiplication phase? What, what, if he, what if he does something none of us are expecting? Or he does something way beyond whatever we can ask or imagine? Kind of... What about that? See, I don't think the problems then become problems of which nation, which, where do we plant... Uh, how do we bring people to know the Lord? How do we impact the community? Those, those things start to take care of themselves when God blows. Those things start to become, uh, you know, you kind of get on a roll. I think the real issue of managing and um, stewarding advance, the real issues to do with that go on in here. Don't they? They they really do go on in here. So I kind of wanted just to look at a few, just a few things of how we can personally and corporately avoid the snares and traps that would hinder advance. How can we avoid the snares and traps that hinder advance? Because I'm convinced God wants to blow on this with kingdom impact, not because of me or the team or I just think God is with us. Because for some reason he's decided he wants to. And when I say us, I mean all the multiplication of the New Frontiers family. You know, I'm talking the big us, as it were. But that then comes down to us as to kind of how we manage that. Now, just a few, a couple of verses just to set the scene. I'm just going to give you just things that I've just sat and thought about. They're just, they're not particularly coming out of the scriptures. They're just sort of more personal applications that I think might help us as we go forward. Now, in, in Jude uh, 24 and 25, it says this. You don't need to look at it. I'll just, just read it out to you. Jude 24, 25 says, Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. And then in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11, Paul says that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Now, there's two kind of phrases or words there that are being used, stumbling and outwitted. Now, if you just think about those words, neither of those words are 
words that imply someone comes at you head-on, obviously. Um, if you walk down the high street and you can see someone running towards you with their fist back like that, you know you've got to take evasive action. You, you know that someone's coming at you. Someone walks up behind you and just goes like that with their foot, trips you, makes you stumble. You don't see it coming. It's a, it's a subtle thing. And, and I think what Paul is saying uh, in Corinthians and what, what the, the, the verses in Judah are saying is that there is a uh, God is able to keep us from stumbling, from, from the kind of things that could trip us up, the things that are not obvious, the things that you have to just give attention to that if you don't give attention to could cause you to be walking along well and then suddenly, unexpectedly, you find yourself um, in difficulty or being outwitted. You're running a good way, race and then, then suddenly something happens or uh, something creeps up on you from the side you've not considered before or you've not been giving attention to and you find yourself then in a battle you didn't realize you're going to be in. Now, the Christian life is spiritual warfare, isn't it? I mean, it just is. Hello, it is? Yeah, yeah I mean, and we don't have an option in that. We don't think, well, actually, I don't want to do the spiritual warfare thing today. I'll just do something else. I'll pray or I'll evangelize. No, we are in a war. And the devil does not play fair. He will constantly be looking, prowling. I mean, it's... Now, the reason I mention these things, yeah, but I'd rather talk about advance. Yes, but it's because we're advancing, we need to look at this. Because these things are the things that hinder advance. The gates of hell cannot stop the church advancing. But you and I can stumble and get outwitted if we're not being alert and aware of the things that the enemy can bring to us. So I was just kind of thinking, okay, what are the things that um, I think particularly we need to be aware of in our own particular context and, and more broadly in, in the Christian life? I think first thing just for me, and I'm sure for everyone here with any leadership responsibility is this, the enormous joy of realizing God is sovereign. <laughs> The government is on his shoulders. I'm really very happy about that. The government is on his shoulders. You and I do not need to run the world. We do not need to sort out everything else. There is only one saviour and it's not you. I'm so happy that it's not me and it's not you. The government's on his shoulders. And to have an encounter through scripture and through Holy Spirit illumination that takes the pressure off having to solve everything is a massive, liberating thing to happen to any Christian and particularly to any leader. Hands up if you've been wonderfully released sometimes when you've realized, you know what, God's in charge. Isn't that, isn't that just a fantastic thing? I, it doesn't mean that we just go careless and say, oh, well, then you sort it out, Lord. I'm not bothered. It's not that kind of... It's, Lord, I'll do what you tell me, but you've got to call the shots. I really don't know what to do about this, but I'm, I am so happy that you are sovereign in all of this. That helps us when pressures come. You can think, Lord, I give this to you. I give this to you. I learned that many years ago when I was... I often walk along the beach praying and I can remember one particular time when there was a lot of pressures uh, on my mind, things that I was struggling with, wrestling with, trying to sort of reconcile and I can remember one day just picking up this great big stone and made sure there was no one else looking around at the time. <laughs> what was this strange bloke doing? And I remember just 
casting all my cares onto this stone and saying, Lord, this is all the, these are all the issues I feel pressed in about at the moment. But the Bible says, cast all your cares on him. And I just chucked this stone into the sea and saw it disappear. And I thought that is how God wants us to be when it comes to leadership pressures and challenges and questions. And he wants us to be completely abandoned in the knowledge of his sovereignty. Completely at rest that he has the reins in his hand. And he will help us. God helps dependent people. And I think that's something we must learn all the time to constantly keep coming back to the, the government is on his shoulders. What about you today? What did you come in with carrying? Is the yoke easy, the burden light? Listen, if it's not light now, what's it going to be like if 200 people get saved in the next six months? I mean, seriously, if we're, if we're preparing for advance, what if your church plants another five churches in the next three years? What if your church is involved and you are involved in cross-cultural mission into another five nations over the next ten years? What if new community impact breaks out in your church and as the, as the government runs out of money and more and more people in society don't know what to do, God gives you favor and there's more and more people coming to you for help. If the burden is not light and the yoke is not easy now, what's it going to be like then? There's a fundamental lesson we have to get deep in our hearts now so that when advance, when multiplication, when, when fruitfulness breaks out, something's settled in our hearts that doesn't get knocked off course by it. Amen? We've got to, got to deal with that internally so that whether you're leading a church, of, a church plant of 10 or a, or a large church of 1,000, the same pendulum, the same plumb line of knowing that the government is on his shoulders so I can put my head on the pillow at night and go to sleep thinking, he'll sort it. He'll sort it. That's worth more than any amount of money someone could offer you, isn't it? Just to be able to think, He's in charge, and he's good. He knows what he's doing. So that's the first thing, just to have this kind of deep awareness of the sovereignty of God, not to make us careless, but to make us dependent, trusting, peaceful. Next thing I think that is important, avoiding snares and traps, is as we work on supply lines to and from the churches, one of the key things that has stuck with me that both Keith Hazel and Ken McGreevy uh, prophesied to me was that as we uh, advanced into new nations and new places, we needed to build supply lines so that ministry was coming and going, uh, serving the needs and the requirements of all the churches. And I kind of, I've taken that very seriously, but you know, supply lines are, are, are challenging things and, it's a, and, and we must avoid... Um, a few things. We must avoid a consumer mentality because we can think to ourselves, well, it's like if you, I don't know, if you've got a, a gas or energy supplier, supply line to your house, and you think, well, I'm not getting a very good deal there. I'm going to move. Or you think, well, the, the service isn't good, so you complain. And we can have a kind of a consumer mentality, and we can apply the same thing to what we're involved in together. We can think, well, so-and-so hasn't done their job. I'm not being supplied. I'm not having the needs met. Whereas what we should all be thinking is, how can I supply the needs of brothers and sisters around me? How can I be involved in meeting the needs of other people around me? The other thing about supply lines is this. I don't think our challenges will be, Lord, is there anywhere else for us to work? I think the challenge will be, who can be entrusted with this task 
to be a reliable, loyal, faithful person. Timothy, uh, Paul said of Timothy, I've got no one like him. He trusted him completely. He knew he was loyal. He knew he was good. There were lots of others Paul sent, and he said, yeah, I'll commend them, receive them. To have, to have a, a fellowship amongst us that is deeply loyal, deeply trustworthy, and able to be delegated to, I tell you, that actually is the thing that makes growth happen. You can, you can only go as far as you can trust people when you're not looking at them. Right? And, and trust comes from a heart issue, not from having a job description given to you. So my appeal to us, brothers and sisters, is this. Let's be completely and utterly loyal and trustworthy with one another. So that if we're asked to do something, we're doing it on behalf of those who sent us. We're doing it not to create our own thing. We're, we're not kind of going and saying one thing and then meaning another. We're, we're being absolutely on the same page together. So often you see things fragment or dissolve or, or, or get, get hindered because someone kind of gets, I don't know, uh, a little bit of an independent thing in their own heart and you actually think to yourself, hmm, not quite sure whether we've lost something here. Uh, do you understand what I mean? I mean? This is really, really important that we just think, no, Lord, this is for you. Therefore, we have to really work at loyalty, togetherness, and making sure that as supply lines get built, we are able to fully entrust. Like Paul said, I commend so-and-so to you. They will remind you of me. You know, in other words, he thinks it doesn't matter if I'm not there. I know I'll be represented exactly the same way as if I, as if I was there. And also just to say that as we, you know, if God blows on this and he does grow and we get, you know, more and more churches being planted, it can take a long while for effective systems and ministries and needs to be met. In Acts 6, we see, you know, a complaint arose. And why did the complaint arose? Well, it was the context of God blessing it. So, you know, I fully expect, this is why you need to know the sovereignty of God, I fully expect that as God blesses us, more complaints will arise. I mean, I'm, I'm, if I'm not hearing complaints, it's because no one's telling me. It's not because they're not there. We've been doing this long enough, and you've been doing this long enough in church leadership to know if you think your church is completely happy, you don't know what actually is going on. Really, you don't. If you think, do you know, we are in such a period of peace. No, you're not. You just, you just don't know what's going on. Or you're shrinking. And there's nothing to complain about. Complaints are good. They show something's happening. So we've got, to, we've got to just allow one another to get those things sorted out. Another thing I think avoiding snares and traps is this. Let's work in team in everything we do. It's not good for man to be alone. I don't lead this on my own. We work as a team. Everything we do must have team about it. Even leading a meeting must be done in team. Why? Because I don't want all the responsibility on me or anyone else to call the shots all the time. Because we don't know on our own, do we? we re Hello, wake up. <coughs> we don't know. We, we need one another. Absolutely we need one another. We can't do this on our own. There is not a kind of superstar in what we do so that the rest of us kind of look at that person and think, well, whatever he or she says, that's what the rest of... No, we need team. It's got to be flavoring everything 
we do. The strength of who we are will be depend on the strength of the team. It should be a natural reflex amongst us. Whenever we go into a new area, whenever we plant a new church, whenever we touch a new nation, we do it, we assess it, we implement it in team. It's absolutely got to be, wherever you cut us, team is what bleeds through. So that's really important. Next one, uh, just a few more. Um, avoiding snares and traps that hinder advance. Number one, uh, the next one, watch out for miscommunications or misunderstandings. I'm amazed. I mean, I, uh, this, I was at the um, More Together thing last week with one or two people who could go, which was at the meeting of wider teams uh, uh, within the UK-based apostles. And I had to see a couple of people about one or two things that were just happening or whatever. And when we sat down to talk, I said, now, can you tell me just a little about this? And they said, well, yes, we need you to tell us about this. And when we listened to one another, the stories that had grown up about what had happened, what I was supposed to have said, what someone else was supposed to have said, what actually happened, bore no relation whatsoever to what actually was going on. It was almost applaudable that something so beyond, so far removed from what had actually happened was being considered to be true. And it just made me realize, you know, the devil, he absolutely loves this. He will just make us think a certain thing about another brother or sister. Well, yes, well, they said this and they mean that. And that. If we don't make ourselves alert to that kind of thing, actually you can find a simple thing that is not even reality can slow you down from what God wants to do. It can cause all kinds of crossed wires and misunderstandings. We've got to have maturity so that we wait before we make assumptions about one another. That will happen more and more amongst us, won't it? As If God blows on this, so we're further and further out, we're stretched, we're extended in all directions, we're struggling to kind of keep pace with everything God is doing. Brothers and sisters, we've got to have such maturity about us that enables us to believe the best, hope all things, trust all things, speak well, believe well. And even if it turns out that someone did say something or do something they shouldn't have done, then love keeps no record of wrongs. You can't, you can't lose doing it God's way. Can you? And yet that's the one thing the enemy will do again and again and again. And if there's one issue where I think in this present series, season of multiplication, we have to be so, so attentive to, it is this issue of the enemy spreading all kinds of miscommunications in a season of multiplication, where it's very easy when not everyone's in the same room to have same conversations. Does that make sense to you? We've, we've got to be patient. We've got to bear with one another. We've got to make sure that we um, work hard to avoid cynicism. Do you know cynicism saps faith like a pin in a balloon? Just take, we, we can't afford that. We cannot afford to be cynical, to be hurt, to be disillusioned. Someone uh, in this room, who I won't name because... Um, no other reason, I just don't want to. <laughs> it's, uh, just, I want to it, it said to me the other, the other week, and they were absolutely right. They said, you know, reconciliation is apostolic work. It's not just about reconciling people to God. It's reconciling brothers and sisters to one another, isn't it? 
That, that's part of the family of God, that we make, we, we make every effort, every effort to, to keep the unity and the spirit of faith. And I, and I know that's the heart of everybody um, who's leading spheres all across the world. That, that's totally the heart of everybody. But we do have an enemy who tries to make us stumble, who tries to trip us up, who tries to sow seeds of all kinds of things. I want us to be so utterly... I want us to be the Bruce Lees of dealing with that kind of miscommunication. So it receives a quick karate chop, a lethal blow the moment it pops into our minds. Because if we can win there and win here, we will win out there. It works that way around. Now you might think, well, this isn't very kind of strategic. I tell you, it's more strategic than you realize. <laughs> it really is. You can, you know, sit in a room with a flip chart looking at all the kind of stuff about church management and, you know, praise God, it's all helpful stuff. But if your heart's not right, forget it. Really forget it. It's just not going to help. Watch uh, your life and doctrine closely, Paul says. What about watching your life? What does that mean? Well, that means avoiding snares and traps, being, being honest and accountable with one another. Listen, I'll give you a quick bit of honesty here. A few months ago, not that I've been dishonest, I'm just giving you a bit more vulnerability. A few months ago, I, I was struggling with a particular issue, and I thought, yeah, do you know what? I think I, I can't quite get through on this myself. I'm struggling. I'm being tempted in a certain way. I just really don't want to. I'm struggling. So I thought, you know, I'm going to find someone, uh, a trusted friend, and just say, look, this is what's happening at the moment. Struggling in that way. Can we just pray together? And I want to be accountable to you. And I did that. Praise God, I've got lots of friends around me I could do that too. The incredible power that comes from having an open life with, with one another, appropriate accountability, puts all the things in place, and do you know what? Within a few weeks, the whole thing had gone. The whole thing had gone. Why? Because I brought it into the light. Yeah, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we fellowship with him with one another. So we can't afford to uh, let things reside in our hearts for long without saying to brothers and sisters around us, would you just walk with me in this? Would you just help me through with this? I don't want to ever have to stand here and give kind of sad announcements about things that have gone wrong in people's lives when it could be avoided. It could be avoided. It's not rocket science. Bring it into the light. Watch your doctrine closely. Stick to the main and the plain. Don't go after novelty and get drawn into all kinds of... Yeah, really, life is too short. Just stick, the gospel is actually quite simple. Let's not overcomplicate it. Let's not go, get all technical. Uh, there's so many books and conferences and ideas, and m most of it is hot air. Most of it is just people's opinions. Now, there's always bits you can glean from stuff. But we have got a Bible, and it is complete. <laughs> is it not? It's the main and the plain, just the bread and butter. You know, we get drawn after novelty because we, we, we just want something new. Oh, that's interesting. No, is it, is it really main and plain? The gospel really is very simple. Let's not get drawn into kind of stuff that takes us down roads and leads us into things that are not helpful. 
A few more. Have I got time for a few more? Yeah. Um, here's an interesting one. Learn to welcome loving creative criticism from a trusted friend. Now, why do I say that? I say that because if you want to play in the big league, then you have to play at a higher level. And what that means is this. Sometimes one another have got blind spots. We've got things about us where we, our character or our gift or our way of, I don't know, being is kind of, um, we've got used to being a certain way. And, with, and it can be like a bit of a bump in the carpet. Everybody kind of walks around it. But nobody ever, well, if I say that he or she, mm, don't know if they'll be able to handle that or are a bit prickly about that subject. Often we plateau because no one's had the courage to do it, who's a trusted friend, who's not doing it to pull you down, but is doing it actually to cover your back. They're doing it actually because they actually want you to go on to greater things, to higher things, to more fruitful things. And... Uh, and I've, I, I've had to uh, learn <laughs> about that in the last probably three or four years where I've had some quite hard things said to me at times. But actually, when I look back on it now, do you know, I think I'm a richer person. I'm a richer person and I trust a slightly better uh, and more fruitful because I've let the pain of criticism actually have a transforming effect in me. So that I've stood back from it and thought, okay, is what they're saying true or partly true? And what, what do I need to, to, to learn from that? What, what, how can God shape me to be more fruitful for him as a result? And do you know what? Most of the time I found actually there are some things that I can grow in. But criticism feels like an attack, doesn't it? But actually, sometimes being, being silent is, is the biggest criticism because <laughs> actually thinking, well, the relationship bridge isn't strong enough to walk that one over. Now, I'm not saying that in the coffee break we all run around and think, right, now I'm going to talk a few things. Now, now There's going to be a few bumps in the carpet kicked around in this coffee break. No, you know, it's loving, creative criticism. There are two words there, loving and creative, not just criticism. Um, Deal with offence well. If someone offends you, I mean, these are so basic, but I've seen so many Christians locked up for years because of something happened that happened 30 years ago. I think even the people they said did it are probably dead. You think, well, or the, the whole situation is just, you can just press someone's buttons sometimes. Do you know what I mean by that? You can press someone's buttons and they're back 20 years ago as if it's yesterday. Have you met people like that? Come on. <laughs> you, you might be like it yourself. <laughs> and if we don't deal with offence well, we can carry stuff with us, and we think it's all gone, but we've actually never really, from the heart, forgiven, dropped the ammunition. We can't afford for offence to be living in here. We really can't. We're, we've got too much to do. We've got too much to do. A couple more, then we'll finish. And just, I just want to pray for us. A couple more. This is a good one. Deal with it when you're not chosen and you think you should have been. Now, why is that going to be important? As we start to expand, say, I don't know, you've got a nation on your heart now as you sit there. You think, oh, I feel God called me to that nation. And say we start to plant in that nation. 
and the team in its infinite wisdom decides who we want to serve into that nation. And guess what? Your name doesn't feature. That's a big one, isn't it? Yeah, but God's called me. But the team didn't. Yeah, but God said. Yeah, but the team hasn't. And I've found in my own life that many times, it's not that perhaps you heard wrong, it's just that God often just wants to get us in a place where we're not doing it out of any other ambition other than just to be obedient servants to him. And even if he did say it and then he decides, well, actually, I'm not going to do that anymore, that should be fine. To live with obscurity, to live, to live with encouraging someone else to do what you thought you wanted to do. Those are the big giants of the Christian faith, aren't they? Those are the, those are the people that actually navigate the course very well and lead very fruitful lives. People who are able to, to deal with, with things like that. And I want you and I to be like that so that we're not... Someone once said to me, never have... Uh, oh, I read it, I think I read it. Never have weak men on your team. Or women for that matter, but men particularly. Just, never have weak men on your team. Why? Because weak men will always hurt you. Why? Because unless you keep them happy, they'll always actually prove not to be loyal or not. Oh, there's a lot of truth in that. So everyone's going to walk around and go, I'm not a weak man. <laughs> weak doesn't mean all being like bare grills. It just means weak of heart, you know, weak in character. We, we've, got to, we've got to really do some spiritual gymnastics, folks, to say, God, would you help us to be real men and women of stature, stature, that can handle a few blows, handle a few misunderstandings, handle a few hurts that were unintentional, handle a few clumsy handlings that perhaps were a bit thoughtless. And We've got to be able to handle that stuff if God's going to blow on this because the ride's going to get bumpier. Do you, do you get that? The ride is going to get bumpier if God starts to blow on this and propel it more and more forward. And only the brave will be able to handle the ride. You ready for that? <laughs> Don't know about that. One more. Work at the relationships you find it a challenge to be in. It's interesting that Paul's writing to the Philippians and then he kind of stops in the middle of his grand doctrinal sort of canvas and he says, oh, by the way, uh, Eudokia and Syntyche or whatever her name was, uh, they keep falling out. Just plead, plead with them to agree. Have you ever met someone in church who no matter what you do, the chemistry just does not work? There's probably people like that in this room. You think... No matter, no matter what I do, we just miss each other. Just like that. Boom. We, right, I'm going to really try this time. Boom. Miss. There are relationships you and I really have to work at, both within our church, within the sphere, in inter, interspherical. Things we've got to work at. Why? Because if God blows on this, those things really matter. Those things really, really matter. We have to speak well of others and build bridges. Okay, any of that make any sense? Because I, I kind of feel it's the nuts and bolts of stuff like that that actually, I'm thinking 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, this is not a flash in the pan, we're just involved in now. I want to build 
If God gives us grace, 30 years of consistent, godly, pumping, apostolic momentum that's sustained by what's in here, that's, that's really what's going to be the test. Yeah? So let's stand together. I'm just going to pray for us. Perhaps if Dan could come back. I don't know what we're going to do next, but um, I'm just going to pray. We're till half... Yeah, I'll hand back to you. Just do whatever, how you feel to apply it. Um, I just, I just ask. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord, and whatever thing particularly just touched you there. Sorry, I've messed up your uh, thing there. Come forward. You're right. Uh, thank you. Yes, <laughs> I've offended him there. Um, yeah, Lord, we we really do want you to to help us to be men and women who are. Um, who you can trust, Lord. <laughs> yeah, you, you, we, you need safe pairs of hands, Lord, who, who you can put things into and, and trust us to, by your grace, carry them forward, handling them well. Just thinking of those verses, not stumbling. Lord, thank you. He is able to keep you from stumbling. Lord, you know all about the things that trip us up. You know all about our weaknesses, all about the way we get ourselves all muddled up. But you are able. You are able to keep us from stumbling and to present us blameless. That's our great hope, Lord, that we're not trying to kind of deal with a broken thing that can't be fixed. We, we, again, come back to your sovereignty. With all our weaknesses and failings, we entrust ourselves to you this morning. We entrust ourselves to you this morning and say, Lord, we want to take responsibility for our choices, but Lord, ultimately, thank you that you're the saviour. You've saved us, and you are in the process of redeeming us and making us more and more and more like Jesus so that we will stumble less. We will get less knocked off off. Uh, off track. Thank you, Lord, that you are utterly committed to transforming us from one degree of glory to another. And I pray for every one of us, Lord, that if there's anything in any of our lives that is at the moment just become a little bit of a, a little bit of a kind of a, a, a broken record that we've just got a bit stuck, then in Jesus' name, I just break that right now and say, Holy Spirit, would you just lift us to a, a higher a higher freedom of the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit, not fulfilling the desires of the flesh. We, we ask you for that grace. Lord, even as we just worship and just wait on you just in this little while, Lord, we ask you just to be ministering to us, Lord, and Holy Spirit, just be walking up and down the aisles, as it were, walking in between us, touching us, putting your hands on us, on our hearts. We thank you, Lord.